Welcome back to everybody to another edition of the Started Out Podcast. We've got crucial conversations. It's Friday. I got my boy Jamal here. Jamal, what is up? Man, listen, like, just like I told you before we start recording, man, I'm trying to be great and eat more vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I am we off a whirlwind of, actually, you know what? You'd be proud of me. I um, had a busy travel schedule here lately. And um, when you're away and you're not in your routine, it's hard to eat healthy. But I will say this. You know the benefit of not being at home? You can't snack. Yeah. And I'm too cheap to go out and snack. Well, I should. No, 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 no. Let let, let me me pay respect for my upbringing. I am too frugal to go out and buy snacks. So uh, I'm down like four pounds, bud. All right, now look at that. Look at that. Listen, I, I guess I'll, I'll share my little weight loss too. I lost, I lost ten. I lost ten. These oh, last always trying to outdo me. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, That's no, okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a story topper. I'm just saying you share yours, I share mine. You know, I've been on the weight loss journey. <laughs> you did, a, you did a, like a three day fast though, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I had, I had to reset after my trip and get and get my mind right. By the way, kudos to you for getting away, having a little trip, a little skiing, skiing in the Midwest. Shout out yeah. to my my friends in Ohio. Yeah, we don't we don't ski, we snowboard around here. And when we fall, we fall hard. Do you want to do you want to re- do you want to talk about the Ohio State uh, story? Not 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 now. We'll we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. I do not want to talk about it right now. I, I, but I think I think what we should talk about is this teacher shortage yeah there has been a oh you know what let's dive in so i'm gonna play my hand that uh i've seen some teacher influencers say well there's gonna be a big teacher shortage and what are you gonna do and and, the doom and gloom and and and, and listen like do i think that some of that's true absolutely Mm -hmm. do i think that um People like the likes and retweets for posting something that elicits a, an emotional response. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't think that there, I, I think that there, of course, there's going to be some people leave. I don't think, I think it's overblown. I don't think there's going to be that many people leave. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think, I think the people that are going to leave, we're going to leave anyway, whether it was COVID or not. I think that um, the situation, as it relates to teachers in general is something that we, um, I think is something that we don't really have to worry about in the sense that the entire country is experiencing a shortage in every industry. So it's not just a teacher shortage. It's a, public shortage it's a walmart shortage you can't get certain items on sale right now like if you if you're in the t-shirt business right now um you can't buy white t-shirts in bulk fast enough to supply your orders so there's all these shortages everywhere because i I think that there's this sense of i don't want to work but i want get paid um the most amount of money And because we're in the middle of the pandemic, I say middle, but I feel like we're at the end, especially if you live in Florida, but we're at the end of this pandemic, right? So I think, I think the focus really shouldn't be about the shortage as much as it is if you're an educator 
and you're a leader in education, your focus should be how can I create such a great culture at school? So that way, there is a shortage. I know that my school will attract top talent and will be fully staffed because being fully staffed is extremely hard right now. But, you know, given all of those challenges, the thing that's going to help us is being proactive and taking action and creating a culture in which people want to come work for. You make a really great point. I'm going to like focus on the fact that everybody, well, I should say everybody, there is a lot of people that got a huge raise. And especially in that 15 to $20 an hour realm that they got a spike. I mean, obviously like a lot of the, like, like I can't, I cannot name a place around here that is paying minimum wage. Most people are in that 13 to $15 realm already. Now that puts people dangerously close to what starting teacher, you know, I like depends on which state are you in, but you know, are we going to see that rise in pay that, that a lot of people experienced? Um, I hope so, but I tend to agree with you. Um, the, well, go ahead. No, well, here's the thing too. All right. So I was, I was talking to my wife about that actually. I said, now, if, if I owned a McDonald's, let's start with McDonald's and then we'll go, we'll go to school. I think the same concept can apply um, in, 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 I guess, in limited situations, but I'll explain. So if I, if I were the owner at McDonald's and I wanted to, and we know that there's a shortage and I have, um, I'm going to use school terms. If I, if I have an allocation for five workers, right? My people who do the mass schedules at your school principals, allocation for five workers at $10 an hour, right? That's, that's $50 an hour between five people, right? Um, could I then, instead of paying those five people, because I can't fill the staff, could I then pay three people to, to run it? And those three people, full-time employees, give them benefits, sweeten up the deal a little bit, and have them run it on their shifts. So pay more, but have less people, but get better skilled or more highly skilled people to do that same job and just run with less. Um, and instead of having you know five part-time workers have three full-time workers or even two full-time workers in that scenario, if you only had an allocation for five. And I think it's the same thing um, in teaching. Um, and, and like I said, it's limited, but I think that, you know, right now, you know, a uh, hundred students and with those 100 students, um, you have a, you have four teachers, right? One of those teachers are PE teacher and, or, you know, and three of them are core teachers, like for this example, instead of, instead of saying, well, I'm going to um, pay those four teachers. If there's a shortage, can you make that schedule work with just two core teachers and a PE teacher? Now that's a very small sample size for a complete master schedule, but can you use what you have? to um, build a master schedule that benefits your school with less people so you can pay the people at your school more, especially if you have, um, these, I'm sorry, decentralized funding and you're the principal of that school and you can make those budgetary um, decisions, right? But then you also got to think too, like what, how are you leveraging your ESE teachers? Are you just putting them in a few situation? So there's, there's so much that we can do. Now is the time to think outside of the box and be innovative and try to give the people that do stay 
um, more, I say more money uh, in a sense, and more more benefits to to staying because there are going to be some people who retire. There are going to be some people who leave, try another profession. They're not going to like it. They will be back um, because there's nothing like teaching once you start teaching and see what we can do from there as a strategy to overcome these shortages that are coming. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, um, I, like, I, I think that it's over. Let, let, let me take two steps back. First of all, the amount of stress and the amount of uh, things that we've had to it, like we, I, I, I'm full disclosure, I haven't been in the classroom now for two years. Uh, at times feel a little guilty about that because of the position I took right, right before COVID. So easy for me to say, but you're in the thick of it. So you, you have a little bit more, you know, uh, mm-hmm. ability to talk, but the, the, what we've gone through is tough, but I will say uh, a lot of people have gone through tough times and the mass resignation of things. I get it. A lot of people decided not to go back to work. I seem to think it is my opinion that um, I understand the, oh, there's going to be a mass resignation because we don't want to take this anymore. I, like, I just, I, I don't see it because I think a lot of people still love their jobs. Is it optimal? No. And I, that's why I like the, your point now, like the people who are going to leave, we're going to leave anyway. And, and, yep. and, and by the way, good for them. But your idea of wanting to incentivize and double down on the people that stay is really intriguing to me. So yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that we can do. We just have to reimagine school. So like, you know, what the pandemic taught me in leadership is really anything is possible. Dream big. And you have to look at the same, you have to look at the same, I guess, flow of energy and you have to move it differently. I know that, you know, one of the things that, you know, what we did at my school is, you know, we looked at, I mean, our district has some cuts and different things like that, but we looked at our master schedule. Um, we, I mean, we couldn't, I'm saying, couldn't pay people more. Um, I, I don't have that authority. We're, we're centralized funding. However, but we, but we looked at what we had given all of the circumstances, teacher shortage and, and cuts and different things like that. And we looked at our master schedule and we looked at our ESE and, you know, teachers and we say, well, how can we leverage them? Traditionally, you have your fuse classes and, you know, you have your support facilitation classes. But and there was this thing this year where, you know, ESE teachers could dual cert. And really what that was, really what that is is they, you know, they provide services. They are the ESE teacher and they are the general ed teacher. And those class sizes are generally smaller. Well, in the setting, you have, um, you know, say you have 25 kids or 22 kids a class. Well, if you put 12 with, if you have a traditional fuse model, you're probably only going to put 28 to 30 kids with two teachers in the middle school and maybe 30 to in a high school setting, right? But if you dual cert, if that teacher dual certs and takes their own caseload, you know, you still have that few setting. It's a little less, a, a little, it's a little less, less restrictive if I'm saying that right. It's not as restrictive as a, as a, I say a, a few setting. It's more like a, a regular class. You have your kids who need services and because I, that teacher is certified in ESE, they can service uh, that child 
uh, for the IEP. And then they can also serve as the general ed teacher because they have two certifications. So we looked at our teachers who had those things and um, it's something that's worked out really, really well for us given that and it freed up space in our master schedule. So like if we're if we lost a teacher on the gen ed side, we we gained one in the ESC. And 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 I mentioned that specifically because you know if you if you're looking at funding, ESE funding is separate from your base allocation funding. That's different money. So there may be a cut in Gen Ed, but there's not necessarily a cut in that ESC. So it's just something just I, I make that point to say we're going we're all going to deal with shortages. But those of us who are willing to think outside of the box and be innovative and be innovative in the sense of, you know, just looking at these problems with a different perspective. I heard somebody say this, we cannot solve the problems with the same thinking that created. Yeah. Let me, let me double down on that. I I think that I'm going to speak on that. And also just, there's been a couple of stories out there that were schools that were doing it differently. And here's the paradox that I just can't stand. Um, schools that want to try different things and then people criticize when their standardized test scores go down. I'm like, wait a second. We talk about needing some change, but when we criticize the same old metrics of, of measuring something, we complain, Hey man, there's gotta be something different. And, 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 and let me further double down on this. Like I get it. There are some people that are not a fan of charter schools. And I ask why, Oh, well, they try to steal and recruit, steal and recruit as parents that wanted to make that choice. And so I've seen some schools that were deliberately doing things differently. And I'm a little off topic and I'm sorry, but like when sometimes their approach was like delivering skills that weren't necessarily just, just standardized tests and their scores are having a hard time going up because they've always had a hard time going up. I think we should give them some grace. And on that same line, some of the teachers, and boy, I hope that, you know what, fine if I'm being offensive, but the people that like, this isn't the way we used to do it. I'm out of here. See ya. Because there is a lot of change that we're going to have to go through. No one's liked it, but the resiliency, and I'm not dismissing the fact that it's not stressful. It is. Mm-hmm. But the I'm out of here. This isn't the way we've done it. And people in the same breath goes, oh, we need to change in education. You can't have it both ways. We're going to have to adapt and adjust or complain that we're waiting around for get back to the old days. That's what's got me fired up. And I've even seen some teacher influencers out there feigning this, oh, I may leave. And I'm like, okay, why? Because I'm so stressed. Everybody, like a lot of people are. And then right. people are like, oh, well, everybody's against us. Are they? This straw man thing of like teachers are being beat up. I then see comment after comment after comment of, hey, I loved it when my daughter had you in class. Hey, I loved it when my son. People aren't beating up education and educators individually. They're questioning things. They're frustrated. They're tired of quarantining. Everybody's mm-hmm. frustrated. But for this mm-hmm. I'm going to pack up my bag and leave because I'm stressed. A lot of people are stressed. We respect that. But I think that in a day and time, we're like, let's adapt. Let's figure out things. And this is my happy like part of this. 
I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of teachers will stay. A lot mm-hmm. of teachers will say, I'm up for the challenge. Was this optimal? Heck no. Did mm-hmm. I enjoy these last two years? Not really. Nope. It was stressful. But I, 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 ref- I just refuse to think that we're going to have this mass exodus of people because the going got tough. I think most teachers are freaking resilient and they're not going anywhere. Well, you know, I would say I don't think we're going to have a mass exodus. I think we already have. I know um, in some counties, there are like 400 positions open, 200 positions open, 300 positions open. Those are just instructional. We're not even talking about the 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 administrative positions and the turnover at the superintendent position that those people are like, I've made my money. I've done my duty. I'm out of here. Peace kind of deal. Um, so that that's actually a, a current reality. But he, but here's what I what I what I say to some of the things that you said. Doing it differently and maybe not getting the results. I believe that you can do both. I think I think there's an obligation to being great, being a great school. Um, you know, we all know that being a great school uh, comes with its comes with its perks. You know, you get more funding. Or you generate more funding. It depends on if you're centralized or decentralized. You generate more funding um, because property value around you goes up and those things. So, like, so this is how you impact the community as a school. We know that the schools are you know, the, really the epicenter of every community. Like, it, like the school district in most counties is, has the highest payroll and they employ the most people just because really everything revolves around school. When school's in, when school's out vacations, money goes up, money goes down. We understand all those things. So I feel like we have an obligation to be um, A schools. Like we have an obligation to, to strive for the highest. Now that does not mean um, with within the scheme of all of the things, right? Like there are things that schools can do differently you know, have an in, uh, innovation program have different industry certifications that that moves the needle forward in the school grade components. So here, here's the thing. I think that, you know, just to, to your point, I think that we can do both. I don't I don't think that um, right now with all of our given circumstances that we can't look at the problem that we have um, and not and not fulfill our obligation to be a great school, um, because we understand that our school system or the schools within our, you know, communities impact so much. It impacts the the property value. It impacts when people take vacations, when people, you know, get childcare. So I believe that we have an obligation, especially if you have decentralized funding um, and the money comes directly to your school from that community, you have an obligation to make sure that you you are facilitating a school or leading a school that produces the highest possible grade because you know you impact the community in that way. However, there are things that schools can do as far as industry certifications to make sure that they are putting structures in place that help facilitate that difference or those nuances that you talked about, those skill sets, entrepreneurship, um, you know, there's social media certifications, there's Microsoft. Um, Office, Excel certifications, all of those, all of those different things that kids can get and actually build skills beyond um, those that are required to take a a standardized test. Um, 
you also you also mentioned um, that you know there's going to be a mass exodus of teachers. Well, it's, it's not going to be. There already has been. Um, in addition to the fact that in most districts right now, like some districts have 400 vacancies, 200 vacancies, 300 vacancies, and that's just teaching. Um, allocations. That's not talking about districts who have who've had turnover in their their principalships and their regional superintendents or their associate superintendents and some of those different structures. There are districts right now, currently today, that do not have a superintendent because their superintendent resigned. There are people resigning because um, they are they are not so so much is fed up with school as much as they are saying, well, if I'm going to live this life, I'm going to try to live the the best possible life. And I feel like right now is probably not a time for me to be in education. But I but I also think some a lot of those people will return in some capacity to education. So some of some of these some of these new principals and new leaders are going to be having people who were superintendents and were principals and who've been teaching for 30, 20 years come back to a school and occupy a role that's not necessarily a leadership role, but they just want to be led for a while before they get back into a leadership role. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, my little rant I went on was, was I, I'm, I'm more positive that people are up for the challenge and um, sorry on the little side tangent of, you know, schools that are trying things differently, they're punished for trying things differently. But uh, by and large, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that um, this has been a challenging time. And yeah, there's some people that are already left and and, and, and I understand that. I do. Uh, but um, I, I think that uh, a lot of educators are up for the challenge, like you were saying. Um, this has been hard on administrators as well. I know that you've, you've seen that. Um, but, you know, throughout it all, um, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities here to learn and adapt and to, and to have new different insights and, and different ways yeah. of teaching. And I think that even with the distance learning thing and the, you know, the asynchronous and everything else, there's been a lot of good in this mm -hmm. as well. So while I know some, there's some yeah. doom and gloom out there um, that there's still been some good out of it. We've still figured out some, some really interesting ways to, to address yeah. Thanks. And Don, here's here's I think here here's really my my overall closing thought on this. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You know, we we talk about opportunities are everywhere. What an opportunity for some school districts, yeah, school districts, schools, principals, leaders, teachers. If if I'm a if if I'm a teacher right now and I'm looking to get into administration, now is a great time. Yeah. If I'm a college student looking to become a teacher, now is a great time. If 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 I want to take my educational career to the next level in any capacity, yes. now is the now is the perfect time to be a solution to the to the to the perceived problem and to the real problem that we have right now. And we just have to look at it through a lens of, I say, positivity. And you know, I'm, I can be so positive, it can be toxic sometimes. But really, really taking, taking our mindset and saying, okay, so what are we going to do about this problem? If we know all of these things are going to happen, how can we still make it right for kids? Because you know what? There's not going to be a shortage of kids needing to go, go to school. Yeah. 
by the way, that was your quote this morning. We were trying to call <laughs> on the 7 a.m. call. That was, what are you going to do about it? That was, that was the quote. That was what we were like. That's what we're talking about. Now. You should write this down. And we forgot. That was your quote from this morning. That, what there, are you going to do about it? There it is. I, hey, I brought it back. There it is. Listen, listen, everybody. Oh, by the way, I, um, every now and then we get DMs and, and emails. And I, I do have to point one out in particular because it was so nice. And I forwarded it to you, didn't I? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, let, let me let me pull that up here in a second. But um, I, I think that the time that you're talking about is what are you going to do about it? And um, that is so necessary. Your, your last point was so necessary because the opportunities that are going to come out of this are are legendary. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that there's so many things to to, you know, learn from and, and gain insights that I, I too, yeah. am, opt- am optimistic about that. Um, final thoughts before I pull up uh, our email that we got. My final th- well, say my secondary final thoughts are. Um, man, I just went blank. It happens sometimes. My fi- don't don't go blank when you're doing a podcast. <laughs> um, but 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 more importantly, I think that um, like there there's no time like the the current time that we we are in to to launch forward and to do something great. That wasn't what I originally thought, but that's what came out. My final thoughts on this are are similar in the sense that there there are a lot of opportunities. Um, I, I've, I've got to bring up two more things before we leave. I, I, I am pleased to announce, and Jamal is going to tell you this earlier, um, for the month of February, uh, we had almost 72,000 downloads. Now, is that, is that top 10 category? No. Are we Freakonomics? No, that is, that is a couple of hours of Freakonomics. Um, but that is an all time (laughs) high for us. And uh, I, I just I just think that we cannot get there um, unless we, you know, unless we hear from you guys. So huge, huge thank you um, that, that, you know, that came in. Wow. Yes. Yes. Uh, listen, I didn't, I didn't know that before now. So this is authentic. Um, it's always authentic. But I man, I, I appreciate y'all uh, sharing this. You know, when we started this a few years ago. I don't know that we that we thought we would be here or be doing it this long, but we're here and we're doing this long and we'll probably be doing it for a little bit longer. Yes. And and uh, David Weigel and I like I I probably should do this more often, but because and and, and man, seriously, Jamal and I appreciate it, whether that's a DM, some people email us, uh, some people just make it a tweet. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, David wrote uh, was just catching up on some uh, last podcast and listen to the last one. Um, what schools really need right now. Number one, congrats on 1 million. That's awesome. But number two, this was a conversation I needed to hear at the right time. It reinforced what I've been thinking for a long time now. And it gave me a lot to uh, a lot of encouragement to proceed with certain ideas. Thanks for this podcast. It brings me joy and values lots of people and provokes awareness, thinking and ideas for others to run with and implement. Thank you, David Weigel. Like that was the most specific one. We'll get like cool podcast and like the episode, which we love, but that was uniquely descriptive. And we sincerely appreciate that. And also teaser, man, 
I cannot wait to uh, release. I interviewed a guy named Jenny, Jimmy Sony, who had interviewed Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and David Sachs. And on, on the early days of PayPal, um, mm. man, this is cool. He's got a, like, I'm spoiling this. He, uh, he wants to give away a book, two books. Basically, if you um, tweet uh, who your favorite teacher was, he wants to do a drawing where he wants to give you a book and your favorite teacher a book, signed copy. And wow. I'm, just, I'm just all giddy about that. Because anybody that wants to know who your favorite teacher was and give them some love, I'm like, man, there's going to be a lot of teachers out there. They're going to like, this guy's for real. So excited mm. about that one. That's good. That one's going to come up soon. Uh, and also, I uh, got to get my, my our, our buddy, our new buddy, uh, Seattle Superintendent uh, Schools, um, was that Brent Jones? Yes, Brent Jones. Mm -hmm. We're going to have him on the show. Uh, Jamal and I uh, wanted to connect with him, and uh, we're going to have really interesting conversations with him. So, hey, while we're at an all-time high for listens, we're going to make sure we have some, some great guests and uh, some great conversations. As always, on Friday, you can always count on Jamal and I having these crucial conversations. So with that, Jamal, take us out. Well, this is Jamal Crook for Downwet Trick, reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. Have a good one.